Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latina Latino Stories. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is la abogada Laura Barrera. Barrera is an immigration attorney who has been working on developing the immigration clinic at The Ohio State University. The clinic works on a variety of immigration matters, such as deportation defense and helping people apply for humanitarian forms of relief, such as asylum. Barrera has worked with several nonprofit organizations and will now be leading the Arriba Las Vegas Worker Center as their legal director. Congratulations for this new role, Laura, and bienvenida a este episodio. Thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit about becoming a lawyer. Why did you choose this career? Um, yeah, so I was not a person who, like, from the time I was young or even when I started college, like, I didn't have a plan to go to law school. I sort of was taking things a step at a time, mm -hmm. um, figuring things out as I went. But um, I think, like, when I think back in retrospect, like, growing up, I saw a lot of inequities. Mm -hmm. And I think partly that's because, you know, I have immigrants in my family, you know, we are Latino, and I also, I grew up in a very white place, um, mm -hmm. a very wealthy place, and I sort of saw a lot of the the inequities that, like, were inherent in being in that environment, but not matching those identities so much myself. Mm -hmm. And then also um, my father is disabled from a car accident when I was young. So I also saw sort of like, well, I grew up seeing what it's like to sort of have to navigate mm -hmm. um, certain bureaucracies, like the Social Security Administration and like the power um, imbalance between like a person trying to navigate that system mm -hmm. and then like corporations, like insurance companies and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think I was exposed to those like imbalances of power mm -hmm. through most of my life. And then I, you know, it always sort of obviously made me angry. And right. <laughs> I'm someone who's kind of motivated by mm -hmm. by that feeling of anger and sort of feeling like seeing that um, the, the differences in the access that people have, you know, to power mm -hmm. and how that also relates in the, the differences in the access to justice. Mm -hmm. And so um, as I got older... I think it just sort of made sense to me to, to pursue a degree in law mm -hmm. to get some of that access, like to get some of that access to power and more access to justice for for people like me. Right. Um, and so I think that's sort of how I decided to go to law school. Um, and then as far as my particular path, um, I went to the University of Michigan, which mm -hmm. I know is not the most popular <laughs> around here. <laughs> um, and then I went to Wayne State University um, and uh, in Detroit. And then um, moved out to Las Vegas after that to, to start my work in deportation defense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the work that you have done with the immigration clinic here at Ohio State has and will continue to prepare future lawyers with hands-on experience uh, in working with immigrant populations. Talk to us about this work. Yeah, so um, clinical education is such a cool part of the law school experience. So um, a lot of classes in law school are you know, where you learn about the law, like you read cases, you mm -hmm. read what the law is, and you you learn how to apply it, hopefully, and you, you, you know, maybe do more memorization, a lot of reading. Mm 
Um, but a lot of like the general law school classes, they don't really prepare you for like, okay, what do you actually do when you become an attorney? Like, right. how do you how do you go to court? How do you work with a client? So that's what clinical education is about: is um, teaching students those skills so that they actually have some experience of like, how do you be an attorney? Mm-hmm. So the immigration clinic was new this year, which is really exciting because I think um, I think having more people who are trained in immigration law is so important. There's such a huge need. Um, right. You probably know that people, mm-hmm. um, you can have an attorney in immigration court, but one will not be provided for you. Right. So like if you're in the criminal context, you know, you will get an attorney if you can't afford one in immigration court, even when someone is facing like deportation where they could be separated from their family or, you know, their life is in danger in their in the country that they've, they've fled they won't necessarily get an attorney, so they might do that alone, and the chances of winning are very low. Mm-hmm. So um, it's exciting to have the opportunity to teach more law students how to be immigration lawyers. And so what we do is we work with actual people in the community, immigrants in the community. We work on their cases, mm-hmm. and the students have the opportunity to work with them under my supervision. So it's a cool experience for them to start to learn of, like, who they are as a lawyer, how they want to approach the work, mm-hmm. but also have access to someone who's an expert who they can come to with all of their questions about, like, you know, what should I do in this situation? How should we handle this? And um, and then there's also a seminar component where we talk about about the law and about the, the different issues we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So um, in that part, you know, like, I think because of my experience, um, I am very critical of the immigration system in the United States. So, yeah, so I really made an effort to teach people about the system more as a whole, because I think if you just see a small part of immigration proceedings, you know, like you learn how to file a certain application, you're not going to understand really like what your clients are um, experiencing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to teach people about ICE enforcement. Um, I, I teach people about the like, blatantly racist history of immigration law because I think people need to know that and if you come to the work and you don't know that that's the history and that's not just the history but that's the foundation Mm -hmm. of the current laws um, you're not going to do as good of a job representing your clients so um, for me it's been a really amazing experience and I think the students really enjoyed it and it was it was so much fun and so meaningful for me to work with them and also to be able to work with clients here in Columbus. And I'm sure they appreciate it because that hands-on experience is key, I, I imagine. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of, that we don't know about immigration, a lot like the common people, yeah, <laughs> non-lawyers, right? Um, I, I, I'm lucky to have, to have a few immigration lawyers in my life, <laughs> right. and, and I get to learn a lot from, from you all. But um, there's a lot of things that, that people don't know and just assume, right? Just uh, access, basic access to a lawyer, yeah. unless you pay for it, right? Uh, a lot of, um, of our immigrant community doesn't just... It, it, they don't provide one from you know the court doesn't yeah. provide one for them, so there there is a lot of um, expense right associated with that, and and a lot of our immigrant communities are very low income right yeah um, so yeah so there's a lot of um, of um, I guess things to consider when you're becoming a immigration lawyer and yeah you know. and I think there's a lot that even lawyers don't know about immigration law because they it, immigration law does lack so many of the protections mm. that people get in other types of of legal proceedings so even a lot of lawyers when they first start learning about immigration law they're like wait what like mm-hmm. this can't be right. right um and I also think you know it's been um 
I've taught the students about and they've seen also the impact of different policies that other people don't think about as as important maybe like um for example under the Trump administration they changed the amount of time it takes to qualify for work authorization from 6 months to a year mm. for people seeking asylum and to a lot of people that's I don't know it's not that newsworthy or something but mm-hmm. when you see that you know that 6 months like that's that's a long time mm-hmm. to not be able to support yourself and um, it makes people so vulnerable to exploitation. And I think um, the students also learned a lot about those things, like not just like immigration law, but like all of the different ways that um, that immigrants are kept in like that are they're subjugated by mm-hmm. a lot of different systems, not just the immigration court system, but seeing how here in Ohio, you know, you can't get a driver's license if you don't have, a, um, you know, if you don't have your work permit right. because you need that type of ID. Um, and how much, you know, that causes a lot of hardships for people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw clients who had a hard time registering for school because they didn't speak English mm-hmm. or um, had a hard time accessing medical care because the the hospital administration didn't understand, you know, like, how does this person not have income? How are you saying they can't work? Because people don't understand. And then you see, like, all the all the hardships that immigrants face, not just in their immigration case, right. but in all these different parts of their lives. And I think... You know, I hope that the students will um, will take away a lot from that experience as well. And, like, even if they don't go into immigration law, you know, I hope that they will, like, continue to advocate for mm-hmm. the rights of immigrants and, and whatever they do. Right, right. Um, so what other positive impacts have you seen um, from the work that you did, you know, in, in, in leading this clinic in our community. So I, I can see how you're, you know, talking about the students and hopefully, you know, they, they have this new knowledge that they can carry with them, whether they become an immigration lawyer or not. Um, having that, you know, understanding of what, um, you know, that the, the client is not just the case, but is a whole person, mm-hmm. right? And, and the things that um, that they might face as a result of their cases or their immigration limitations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how, what, uh, what have you seen in the community? How has it been received? Um, I think, I mean, I felt very welcomed by like all the different groups here who are working in the immigrant rights space. Um, and I think it's been great to be able to, to be another resource for people. Like I've had people refer me cases because um, well, my sort of what my um, expertise is in, especially is in removal defense, which is people who have cases in immigration court mm-hmm. who are sort of facing that very immediate threat of deportation. And those cases are very, very time intensive mm-hmm. and they can be very um, intense and, and they can be somewhat complex. So I think it was really, um, I felt good about being able to provide, to be a resource for people who um maybe came across a case that they're like, this person really, really needs an attorney and Mm -hmm. that's not our expertise. And then like being able to call me and refer that to me. And I was able to take some of those cases where people were like, this person needs an attorney, but um, they need someone who's very experienced in removal defense. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of a complicated case. It's very time intensive. And so I think we were able to be a resource like that. You know, we did get Mm -hmm. those types of referrals. Um, And, you know, we were able to build connections, not just not just in the immigrant rights community, but also at Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, which was great to work with people from different um, different departments. You know, we had a mm-hmm. professor from anthropology um, come speak with us and talk about being an expert witness. Mm-hmm. Um, we had someone from the Middle East Studies Center, and we had someone from the School of Social Work. So that was also really cool at, mm-hmm. as far as, like, 
being part of the university community mm-hmm. and sort of connecting with these different departments um, across the university. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that um, I myself, you know, as as um, outside of uh as a community member, right, and and that has uh, worked in different capacities with immigrant communities, um, and understand somehow, you know, the immigration process, but how that specialization or having that experience, like you just mentioned, the removal process, right, being um, experienced on that is not the case uh, that every immigration lawyer is is either experienced or good at that. Right. right. It's, um, yeah, a lot of people don't right. don't want to do that. <laughs> Because yeah. it is very intense. It's yeah, very intense I imagine it's like crisis <laughs> yes. mode, right? Yes. Um, and so, you know, even that, you know, it's having that understanding of how, how to act and how to care for that particular case has to be, um, you know, important for, for students to get exposure to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, um, they, I think that, you know, they do get exposure to so many different important skills for lawyers. Mm-hmm. And it is a... It is a unique experience, I think, to do removal defense. There's also a lot of clinics. There's other clinics, of course, that do it, but there's a lot that don't do it because it is so intense, the mm-hmm. type of work. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think the students actually um, appreciate that, you know, feeling like they're really making a difference. Like right now, we're see- you know, like the work that they're doing, um, you're, you know, you're submitting it to the court, you have deadlines, and mm-hmm. um, you're supporting someone in like a really pivotal moment um, where the consequences are really extreme and so it's really um it's just super important and i think it's also meaningful for the students right right laura well you have briefly served as professor um, most of your work has been in nonprofit organizations tell me about working with this in this spaces how is it different how is uh, some of the skills that you have as an immigration lawyer uh, benefiting to to this types of organizations yeah, um, so I think being a clinical professor, it's not, you know, as different as being like um, a non-clinical professor would mm-hmm. be because I'm, what's cool to me about being a clinical professor is like I'm still being a lawyer, I'm actively practicing law, mm-hmm. but I'm also teaching people how to practice that. So like there's definitely an overlap and a, a continuation of my legal practice um, and it's similar to nonprofit work in that um, I'm fortunate to not have to worry about can my clients pay me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I've never I've never been in private practice. Um, I've always wanted to work in public interest where like I can serve my clients regardless of whether or not they have financial means. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another great thing here is that we don't of course we don't charge our clients anything. Um, but you know it's different in how you spend most of your time. So in Nonprofits that do deportation defense, you tend to have a very high caseload. Mm-hmm. So you're just working on cases all the time. You're, you know, talking to a lot of clients. You're filing things. Like, you're just very, very busy mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always worked with detained people also. So I was going to detention centers. Mm-hmm. And um, and those cases also move even faster. So, so just a very high-intensity, um, high-caseload kind of um, atmosphere. And so in clinical teaching, because the one of the goals, in addition to actually, you know, serving the, the clients and providing really high quality representation, it's also to teach. Mm-hmm. So you don't have as high of a caseload. It's a little bit slower in terms of the casework. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so much of my time is spent on teaching and preparing what I'm going to teach the students and making sure to be available to them and, you know, um, able to answer any questions. Um, and then the other big difference for me um, 
is that I was in a fairly large nonprofit um, where we what everybody was doing was deportation defense. Mm-hmm. So you have a big team of people, even if you're not working on individual cases together, you're all doing the same type of work. You're doing the same type of cases. So there's like a lot of um, shared, like mutual values. And like, you're all kind of working. Um, a lot of people are very mission driven and mm-hmm. you're working towards these, mm-hmm. like this mission that everybody cares about. Um, whereas in a clinical setting, um, you're working with people who are also very passionate about their fields, but they're mm-hmm. different fields, you know. So right. there's another clinic that does civil work. There's one that does um, work with juveniles. There's um, a criminal defense clinic, and they're all amazing, and the professors are amazing. Mm-hmm. But we all do, like, sort of – we have our separate areas um, where we specialize. And um, so that's a little bit different. Um, and then I feel like I do have to add that the academic space is very, very white. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I can't not mention that because it is, right. um, it is a, it's a noticeable difference, you know, especially I was practicing in the Southwest, mm-hmm. um, doing deportation defense. And so I would say, um, probably about like half of the staff maybe was like Latino where mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here it's, you know, it's, and not just here, um, right. in the academic space, as you mm-hmm. know, in general, right. it's, it's a very white, um, mm-hmm space and also people who are professors tend to have come from very um privileged backgrounds as well Mm -hmm. so it's sort of it's a different um it's a different environment it's Mm -hmm. a different work environment in that sense and I feel like that's sort of um not something people talk about that much but Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it needs to be said because that is a significant difference right and I'm sure I don't know what the number of your students um that were bilingual were but in, in general um you would have very few bilingual students, yes. uh, very few Spanish speakers. And yeah. I think I, I believe that you had actually somebody else that worked as an interpreter or translator, right? Yeah. And it wasn't the students who were doing this work. Yeah. Um, and so that's also, um, you know, inequities and in language access uh, yeah. within these spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, I mean, that's exactly right. It's not only like the academic faculty, which is sort of the space I'm in, but also the students, it is very white. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, not a lot of... Um, I didn't have any students that spoke Spanish fluently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is different. Like, where I was at the Florence Immigrant and Refugee Rights Project before this, everybody who worked there had to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it is it, it is different in how people are able to... Um, communicate with the clients you know um and how the way that relationships are built is i mean i think you can still build a great relationship with a client if you don't speak their language Mm -hmm. um but it is different Mm -hmm. you know than being able to communicate to someone directly yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. absolutely so yeah that that's also um it's a big difference (laughs) right right um Laura, how does the work on immigration that you have done here as a professor or even practicing in your uh, your previous organization prepare you for the work that you're about to do with Arriba Las Vegas? Well, I think it's all sort of been, it's like it, it really makes sense as a next step for me because um, it's, um, I'll be the first attorney to work there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it'll be a lot of, um, building um, what the legal program there should look like, which is something, you know, here I was just building a new program. So, like, that's yeah. sort of um, – and and I also did some some of that, and I did a lot of management at the Florence Project as well. So 
I've gained a lot of those skills and continue to gain those leadership skills that I think have put me in a really good position now where I feel um, very capable mm-hmm. of being able to come into that space and think about um, what that program should look like. And then also, I think having those experiences of um, working working in the Southwest, working in places that are um, <laughs> it's hard, especially hostile to immigrants, um, but I hesitate to say that because so many places in this country are hostile to immigrants. So right. I don't want to say that only like, you know, only Arizona is like that because it's up. Right. I mean, you know, the Cleveland Immigration Court is hmm. also has very low grant rates when it comes to asylum, like very, mm. very low. So um, but working in these places, working with people who, you know, and I have, I've seen how the detention of immigrants happens and what that looks like, what the conditions are like. Mm. Um before this, I was in. I was living in Tucson, so close to the border, and seeing what border um, border security looks like, you know, and the cruelty mm-hmm. of that. And I think these experiences have have all been like building my knowledge about the system as a whole and how it, how it works and how it works to oppress people and how it works to hurt people. And I think that's important knowledge and knowing how to fight that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been a process of you know, a lot of learning and a lot of, um, and I think that's just really important to be able to think strategically about like, okay, how do we fight this system? How do we fight for the rights of immigrants? You need to know all of those things, you know, you need to know the reality. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, so many people don't know about, like, about immigration. Like we see Mm -hmm. it on the news, we see these like stories um, about the border or things like that. But people don't, a lot of people don't understand the reality. And that's true of um, also of lawyers and also of immigration lawyers sometimes that we we can like get um, tunnel vision like I know this one thing mm-hmm. um, and people might think they mo- know more than they do you know so like I've been focusing on learning mm-hmm. um, and I think all of that will be really beneficial um, and also I think I, what I've learned a lot is I've I really believe that it is so important to take the lead from directly impacted people. So I think that that's that's a really important piece of like what my education has been as a lawyer and as someone in practice is that being in a leadership position, it doesn't mean just like leading all the time. It means a lot of listening right. um, and, and like working in collaboration with people. So um, I'm really excited for it. And I think that everything I've been doing up until now does make me well situated to move into that new role and continue learning. <laughs> yes. What is the focus of this organization? Who do they serve? So they serve, um, their focus is to, you know, promote the rights and of um, immigrant workers. Mm-hmm. So they work with a lot of people who are, um, have issues like at the intersections of like labor and immigration. Mm-hmm. So um, advocating for people, um, they do things related to wage theft and, and different things like in the labor side of defending mm-hmm. immigrant workers and then also things on the more on the immigration side and at the intersection of those mm-hmm. um, those two areas. So, um, and they have a big focus on empowering people, you know, and it is, like, as I said, I'll be the first lawyer to, to be on staff there. So it's been a very, um, it's, you know, involved in a lot of organizing, community organizing mm-hmm. and um, empowering people. So I'm really excited to be able to join the team and I think, like, learn a lot from them mm-hmm. and um, learn how the law can be used to um, in collaboration mm-hmm. with other things. You know, I really, um, 
I didn't, I, I really believe that, like I said before, like law, it is like, it is a way to access power. Mm-hmm. But if, I think if people aren't um, really intentional about how you approach your work, you can also start like perpetuating the same inequities with that power, mm-hmm. even when you don't right. think that's what you're doing, you know? So if you're, you stay really intentional about that. And so um, I think like I'm excited to work in collaboration with other people that aren't lawyers, you know, and, and I think um, I think like working as part of a team like that mm-hmm. is a good way to, um, I guess, to use the power that comes with a legal degree, a law degree, um, to really help the directly impacted people. Right. It sounds to me like that collaboration helps you keep centered and mission-driven. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Laura, uh, what are the next steps? I, I know you're moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me, um, I don't know, something that you're looking forward to as you move into transition into this new role. Yeah. So I am um, really, I'm going to do my best to take a couple weeks off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I, um, you know, I'm really excited about my new role. So right. I also want to like jump into it. But I think that when you do this type of work, um, self-care is super important. Yes. And so this has been a very busy year for me, like building this clinic. Um, getting a, married, getting, moving yes, twice. I did, all <laughs> I did a lot of things this year. <laughs> so I'm going to try to make myself take a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited for that. And, um, you know, I lived in Las Vegas before a few mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I did really, I really loved being there. So I'm really looking forward to um, reconnecting um, with other people who work in like the immigrant rights space and also with like friends and different people and, mm-hmm. and kind of reintegrating into the community there. So I think that's the thing I'm most excited about mm-hmm. right now. Yes, that's great. Uh, Laura, gracias por esta conversación. Thank you. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Thank you.